You know it's going to be a good day when your biggest concern in the morning is collecting the crumbs falling from the McDonald's crispy chicken biscuit. Your only concern should be, has your day peaked too early? Enjoy every last crumb of the new McDonald's crispy chicken biscuit for only $3. And any size soft drink for just a dollar. And you'll get your day started on a high note. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Blog Talk Radio. Stopping my shine They try to break me, try to take me out But I got Jesus on my side So bad I thought it would die But ain't no power stronger than the one that came and laid on his life And I got mountains to climb But the enemy can't stop me Cause there's a calling on my life Sugarcoat, 
no going around it, under it, above it, below it. Whatever the Lord gives him is how he gives it to us. So tonight is Thursday night. So I was thinking tonight, you know, every time I come on the air, I got to have a little something to say prior to Dr. Moore teaching, preaching, and all that. That's just my little spiel. So when I think about Bible study, because obviously every Thursday night we're here on the air for Bible study. This means you have out a pencil or a pen or a recorder, writing down the scriptures, you're taking notes, so that way you can meditate or just manifest on the word. You're making the word come to knowledge for you yourself. So when I think about Bible study, I have to ask myself, why do we have a Bible study? I, when I was a kid, I didn't understand on Wednesdays and Fridays why we had to go to church those days to study the Bible. When I'm thinking, we go every Sunday, so we're learning the Bible then. But as an adult, as I'm learning more and more effectively every day, as God is working with me and talking to me, now I understand why you may say, well, why? Like, I don't know. I just listen because you guys are on in radio land, something to do. Well, let me explain why I believe we do have a Bible study. First off, a Bible study is where you're reading God's Word, not only reading it, but now you're studying it. Kind of like when you're in kindergarten through 12th grade, you have to get those books and study to get an A in the class. Well, in this instance, when you're studying God's Word, you're getting an understanding that's going to be a manifestation of what's to come for your life. That means that once you read his word, his word is a tool book. It is a roadmap and a guide for our lives because everything we're going through is in the Bible. Whether you have a New Living Translation, King James Version, New International Version, New King James Version, a Word Bible, you could have Schofield, Thompson and Chain, or even some other study Bible. Whatever Bible you have, Pray and open up the good book, as people call it, and read about the good news. The good news is Jesus, his word, his promises are in here. He has commandments that we are to follow. He has, that's in Exodus. He has a Lord's Prayer that every night, I do say that Lord's Prayer before I go to bed. That's found in Matthew. You know, there's so many great things. And if you're wondering why in this dispensation that you're living in, listening to me on this air tonight, why we have all the things, fires, COVID-19, and all these other things happening, all these plagues and diseases that are not curable to a certain extent, read the book of Revelation. Revelations will break down to you everything that's happening right now. And if you have to ask yourself why this, why that, well, take it to the source. Ask the only one that has all the answers. Yes, Dr. Moore, he could give you answers what God gives him, but if you really want some answers for yourself to get a greater understanding, ask the source. You don't even have to write a letter. All you got to do is go into a quiet space and ask him for yourself. Now, the purpose of Bible study, again, is because you're reading the good news. You're reading the book that is a roadmap for your life. This book is not just a roadmap for your life. It's actually basic instructions to teach you what the do's, the don'ts, and how God wants us to shape our lives to edify him because he built us, created us to be in liking of him and an image like him. So he does want us to be able to have an immaculate life also the doing what he is wanting of us to do. And if you don't know what God wants you to do for your life, if you don't know where your final destination is, what he has set up, you have to ask him. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. So if you're asking him what you should be doing with your life, 
he will tell you. You can also seek him out. Because once you start seeking for Jesus, you are going to find him. If you are knocking at his door, he will answer you just like every day. He knocks at our hearts for us to let him in so he can take control and he can effectively work with us and give us an awesome life. Now, you may not think your life is all that great right now, but I'm a living witness. Let me tell you, I've had some ups and downs, trials and tribulations myself, but every time I call on the name of Jesus, everything is all right, and it can be for you too. Just get out your good book and study. That is why it's called Bible study in God's Word. We're learning effectively. I like reading the Bible. I don't know about you in Radio Land, but Tasha over here, Tasha Mack, I'm going to pick up a good book. And I'm going to read, and I'm not just going to read because people in the church, they pick up the book and read. No, no, no. Because obviously, real quick, and Dr. Moore's about to come on the air. He's prepping himself. Really quick, when I was a kid, they're like, read your Bible, read your Bible in church. So when you're a child and you don't know anything, you do what your parents do, whatever religion you're in, you do. But the moment you're 18 and you think you're old enough to make your decisions, well, you find out for yourself the real truth. That's what this book is about. This book will give you the real truth so you can make the educated decision about which Bible is for you. God is for everybody. But to know what Bible you should be reading, that is between you and God, which one will help you to get a greater understanding. That's why it's good to study the Bible. That's why it's good to go with you, yourself. You can get a group of people or just you and a friend, you and your husband, your wife, you and your kids, or by yourself if you choose to. But read the Word. Not just read it because I'm saying so on the air, but read it so you get an understanding. Because once you read it, everything in your life is going to start going together like puzzle pieces. They're going to fit together, and then you'll see the whole big picture when God's ready. But when you start reading his word, the pieces are going to fit together like a puzzle. Thank you for listening to me tonight, you guys. I appreciate you always. We love you. We thank God for you. First, we thank God for him for who he is in our lives and who he is to the radio broadcast. We thank God for all of the 17 different podcasters, websites out there that are promoting us. We are thanking God that they see that we are telling you we are true speakers and we're speaking God's word and giving the truth as God has given it to Dr. Moore. We're not sugarcoating it. We're not twisting the words. We're not making the word benefit us. He's giving it to you the way God's giving it to him. And that can only be the truth and nothing but the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, the men of the hour tonight, the doctor is in, and he's ready to break down the religious barriers. He's ready to break down the word of God. That way you have a greater understanding. Get out your pencils or your pants, a notepad in your Bible, and let's be ready to be schooled within the word of God. God bless you all. God bless you in Radio Land tonight. This is Dr. Moore coming to you. Amen. Along with my staff here in Napa Valley. We're just so grateful to be able to come back on, amen, on this Wednesday night. And I say that, amen, I'm standing with conviction and thanking the Lord, amen, for sparing our lives because there are so many lives that have been taken out of this world. Again, praise the Lord. I thank God, amen, for you that are praying for me and this ministry. I thank God, amen, for my granddaughter tonight with that beautiful explanation, amen, of why she reads the Bible. Praise the Lord. It ought to mean something to you as well. We're going to get right into the word of God tonight. 
Amen. The Bible, uh, Paul says, study to show thyself approved, being a workman, neither not ashamed, but rightly divide the word of truth. So tonight, praise the Lord, we are going to come to you from several different little scriptures, but amen, it's all going to be relating to the same thing. First of all, Second Corinthians, amen, 2 and 11, and St. John 8 and 44, Ephesians 4 and 27, Ephesians 6 and 11, James 4 and 7, 1 Peter 5 and 8, 1 John 3, 8 through 10, and 1 John 4 and 4. We are going to be talking tonight, amen, from these scriptures, and I hope it, amen, bless your soul as we are, praise the Lord, expressing the word of God. This is food for a thought for your soul. Your soul is the most important thing that there is, not your body, but your soul. And many times we don't pay our soul that much of attention. We worry about our flesh and body, but not our soul. But when God breathed into man's nostrils and he was a specimen laying on the ground looking good, he couldn't move. Then he breathed the breath of life unto man, and man became a living soul. So our soul is important tonight. And the Bible let us know, man, the soul that sins, it shall die. If you don't quit sinning, amen, and obey the Lord, that soul shall die. Second Corinthians 2 and 11 says, that Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his device. The writer is talking to us tonight. And let us know, amen, that Satan can get the advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his device. And the subject that I want to use tonight is knowing your enemy. Knowing who you're fighting against in this Stage of life we fight and we fighting against a lot of things, but sometimes as believers we don't know what we fighting against. But God wants us to know what we are fighting against, knowing your enemy. But we are not ignorant of his device. And I would like to say, Amen. If you don't study the word of God. And you don't know the word of God, we can be very ignorant of Satan's device. And God don't want us to be ignorant of Satan's device to make us go contrary to God's will. Know your enemy. Just because somebody say, I love you, 
It don't mean, amen, they really love you. But you got to know your enemy. John 8 and 44 say, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And it borders not in the truth. Because there is no truth. When he speaks, he speaketh a lie. He speaketh of his own. For he is a lie. He's the father of it. Knowing your enemy. Satan will sometimes pretend that he's your friend. You got to know your enemy. Ephesians 4 and 27. Neither give place to the devil. Don't you give no time to the devil. You got to know your enemy because your enemy can call you their friend, their associate. And your enemy can cause you to go places and do things that you know is against God's word. But you better know your enemy. Ephesians 6 and 1, put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You got to put on the whole arm of God. You can't go, you got to be dressed up all the way in God's army that you may stand against the wiles of the devil, knowing your enemy, the enemy of the soul. Of humanity is a great foe. He is a lie and the master of deception. For victory, the believer needs to understand the enemy and his tactics, the way he attacks you. The believer must learn to understand the enemy. The enemy, he was defeated. And he was defeated on cavalry. The enemy, knowingly, and he was fly. The enemy is a liar and he's a deceiver. The enemy is a murderer. The enemy is a self appointed judge. And the enemy is also, he's very jealous. If you don't know how to distinguish between these things, you could be serving two masters. And the Bible says we can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other one. Satan is not so concerned with how he accomplishes his goal. Satan don't care how he accomplishes his goal. Yes, as he accomplishes it. He is concerned only that he achieve them. All Satan wants to do is achieve what he set out to do. He don't care how he do it or who he used to do it. He just wants to do it. It is to this advantage. If we stereo his method. So we expect expect him always to behave in the same way. For example, because of some of his frightening behavior. 
and attitude to him, to the demons in scriptures, as well as though history. We may think Satan always acts out similarly, but this is not the case. Satan will always come to you in the same way to try to set you up. Satan used different methods and different attacks to bring you down. He used things sometimes you done left behind many, many years ago. He used his thoughts to bring you down. Paul described false apostles was transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. In the word of God, amen, Paul letting us know that one way Satan tricks us, he would send us a lying false prophet. And saying that prophecy, I am a man of God. I, I have the highest calling that there is given unto man, I am an apostle. God has sent me. Put on the various wardrobes that apostle would wear. Knowing the scripture from the beginning to the ending. But Apostle Paul says, this model themselves after Satan, who is transformed into an angel of light. Now he looks like he's an angel of light, speaking well, speaking very distinct, very educated, knowing the scripture. But you better know your enemy. You better know who you're listening to. And that's God for a spiritual discernment. That God may give you a discernment of who are talking to you. Second Corinthians 11, 13 and 14. If Satan does this, it is no greater thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. Satan transformed himself, so we got false ministers that say God has sent them is to preach the gospel. They transform themselves as ministers of righteousness. They act righteous around God's people. They look like they can be righteous, but they don't transform themselves. You better know your enemy. You better know who you're talking to, and you better know who you serve. Today's focus is frequently used to remind us to stay on high alert. As to avoid being deceived by Satan. If you don't read your Bible, you are not on high alert. Satan will come in and deceive you. He is, that's what he is, a deceiver. 
And no man is a match for Satan. The only somebody can match Satan is the Holy Ghost itself in mankind. And if you're not prayed up, if you're not being fasting, many times Satan can fool you still. You don't have the Holy Ghost. And considering the contents of this verse, however, it is evidence that Satan deception, his work does not always include the frightened phenomenon often associated with destruction behavior. He don't come always tearing down things and, and destroying things. He don't come that way all the time. Satan coming to use the same quietness that Jesus. Sometimes he'll come to you in quietness. He'll come to you in a little sea of voice. But you better know your enemy. Paul warned. Paul warned was connected when he was telling, Amen, these Corinthians, they better know their enemy. The enemy is working. 24 hours a day, the enemy is working on the souls of humanity with the importance of forgiveness. If we fail to forgive those who wrong us, your enemy got you. If you fail to forgive those that wrong you and you say that you are a saint of God, you are a child of God and won't forgive those that wrong you. The enemy got you exactly where he wants you. We give Satan an advantage over us. If you won't forgive those that don't trespass against you, we give Satan an advantage over your soul. He know we supposed to forgive. Don't let Satan have an advantage over your soul. No matter how long you've been in church, there are some of the men in church all our lives. I mean, from sixteen, sometime early until eighty years old, and we see a holding a grudge against somebody or something somebody have done. Satan got the advantage of. You go into church with them every Sunday, and you still won't ask them to forgive you. Although Paul did not spell out the nature of this advantage, he put it in the category of a device. Say to you, somehow if we do not forgive, we lose our advantage in spiritually warfare over Satan. We got to learn to forgive. Do you realize how many Christians is confessing Jesus Christ and will not forgive other people for what they have done? If we don't forgive mankind for their sin, our Heavenly Father can't forgive us of our sin. You got to know your enemy. The Holy Scripture provides the only religious guide for us 
in our attempt to know our enemy. There is a long history of speculation on what is something called Some of this reflects biblical insight. For example, a brief discussion of demons in the Pack Dictionary of Theology turns often this definition. Deriving from the Greek term Demons are demonic. Demons are created spiritual beings who along with Satan are in rebellious against the good purpose of God. These unclean spirits seek to oppose, afflict, and deceive Christians and non-Christians. Alive and to indicate humans to rebel against God and God's good purpose for humankind and crea- creation. The devil and his demons, they are out there to try to make us believe that the God that we really serving, we're serving the wrong God. Satan has time to visit you. Satan has time to talk with you. If he can encourage you to listen to him. He's sending demons if he don't have time. There is a vast remnant of biblical blessing, superstitious pole on the battle insight into the nature and behavior of Satan and his demons. Some of these supernatural other frightened people who have limited knowledge of Scripture. See, when you got limited knowledge of Scripture, Satan can impose upon you what he wants to. And many times we learn a few scriptures and we think we know the Bible. But it's not enough for a believer to know a few scriptures. We got to study the word of God daily. As we see that things are changing in this world, we got to study the word of God to see how Satan is trying to manipulate us, to try to make us change our mind. He is a Deceiver. But there is a vast realm of biblical base to use of these words like suggest a belief that good or bad that happens as a result of some event of behavior. For instance, some people think it is bad luck. If a black cat cross one path, and it's good luck if a person have found a penny. All this is superstition. 
Whenever young, they had me superstitious also. About the black cat, I thought if a black cat go across the road, I, and 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 I passed that road, I was gonna have bad luck. I come to find out later that was nothing but superstition. The Holy Bible says nothing about luck. We often use the phrase, "Oh, I had good luck." The Bible don't say nothing about good luck. You were either blessed by God. It wasn't no luck. But you were blessed by God. It refers to the enemy between God and Satan. The immediate that began with Lucifer rebelling against God. The devil rebelled against God. I, I don't know when it started, but I know, amen, it was up in heaven. He rebelled against God. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. He wanted to be his own self-righteous angel. So he decided in his mind he was not going to obey God. The enemy, we find, amen, he was defeated on Calvary. Yes, the enemy was defeated on Calvary. But Satan set out on his rebellious part against God, he invoked it on a hopeless future. For this first disobedient step, he was disdained to defeat. When he when he first decided that he was going to rebel against God, he was already defeated. My God. The scripture said, how are thou fallen from heaven? Oh, Lucifer. Look at who Lucifer was. He was the son of the morning. Oh, he he could rain heaven up in the morning. Call the angels. It's awakened, giving glory to God. He was the son of the morning. How are thou cut down to the ground? How did you get this? How did you get it, Lucifer? How did you come out of heaven and was cut to the ground? And when he did, he wished he'd weaken the nation. For thou hast said in thine heart, I want to send into heaven. That means let me know, man, he is not in heaven anymore. He said, I want to send into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He said, he's going to be above God. I'm exalt my throne above the stars of God. Listen, the only Amen. I will exalt my th- my throne above the uh, uh, stars of God. God's throne is the only throne that is above the stars. Everywhere he's at, his throne is there and he's above the stars. Satan says, that's where I'm going. I was set also upon the mouth of the congregation. In the side of the north, I will ascend above the highs of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The devil want to be just like the most high. 
He want to be God, but he never will be God. But he dreamed to be God. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the side of the pit. Isaiah chapter 14, 12, and 15. Out of all the devil done, he's going to be brought down to hell. Knowing your enemies. Do you really know your enemies? Do you know how... When the devil is deceiving you and tricking you, thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Satan, you don't sin. And where you used to sit in high places, God said, I'm going to cast you out of the mountain, and I will destroy thee. Oh, covering cherubim from the midst of the stone of life, of fire. Where you are, then all the angels used to pay you attention and listen to your beautiful voice. I'm going to throw you out. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. He was a beautiful archangel. And his heart was lifted up. Many times, that's what's wrong with people today. Beauty, beauty make them have pride. And their heart get lifted up. Thou hast corrupt thou wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Because of your good looking, you don't corrupt your wisdom by thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. Ezekiel 28, 16, and 17. And that's what God did. You got to know your enemy. Your enemy was up there singing to the angels, singing to God. But your enemy went too far, and he revealed his dark side, and God had to cast him out of heaven. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now Satan used to walk upright, but because he did that, God put him down, amen, to crawl on his belly. Lower than any animal that there was. God put Satan down. Crawl on your belly. And I will put him in between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and hers. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 3 14 to 15. The prince of this world is judged, John 16, 11. Knowing your enemy and the severe return again with joy, saying, Lord, and the 70 return again with joy, saying, Lord, even 
the devil are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto him, I beheld Satan as lightning, falling from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scribes, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be any means hurt you. And if you stay in the will of God, you got to know your enemies. Do you know your enemies tonight? Is the devil trying to make you come out of the plans of salvation? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested when Jesus came to the cross. He was manifested. He come, amen, to let mankind know who he really was. That he might destroy the work of the devil. 1 John 3 and 8. Jesus came that he might destroy the work of the devil. By his work on the cross. Christ has spoiled the principalities and powers. He made a sure of them. He opened triumphantly over them. In Colossians 2 and 15, the utterly outwork of Satan defeated will not be seen, however, until the conclusion of the millennium and the final judgment. We won't see all of what the devil has done until the conclusion be. God going to let him look over the providence of the world and going to look and let, let him see what he has done to humanity. And then going to judge him. Satan will never, never, never again get into heaven. And the devil that deceived them will cast it into the lake of fire and brimstone. That's a hot place. The devil, amen, that is talking to you and I every day was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 20 and 10. The devil is going to burn, and every demon is going to burn, and everybody that follows Satan and did not repent of their sins, they're also going to burn. Don't you let the devil fool you. Knowing your enemy. The first weapon to know one, the first weapon to the one known utterly as the dragon. They call Satan the old dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil. He's still the devil, and Satan in Revelation 22. 
He described him as the most subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Genesis 3 and 1. He was more different. He was more cunning and conniving than any beast that there was in the field. Apparently the serpent, he was a very different creation than its cursed descendants. We know today. Not only did the curse change its physical form, but its intelligence may have been highly diminished. He may Amen. Lost some of his intelligence when he fell. The word subtil can be negative, used to express a craftiness, a sly, or it can mean positive. It means to be sensible and productive. The serpent could have been a highly intelligent creature. Them any than any other animal. He could have been a highly pleased creature, highly knowledgeable than any one of the creatures in the garden. We know a man, he fooled every one of them. All the trees in the garden were pleasant to the sight. It was good for food in Genesis 2 and 9. But Satan did not arrange to meet Eve at a tree, as a tree. That was only emphatically pleasing and physically. He arranged to meet her at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now he didn't come to he didn't come meeting Eve as a tree. But he comes and met Eve with knowledge, showing how much knowledge she had. At this time Eve only know good. But here he is going to introduce her into evil. He knew how to trick her. Satan did not call to ease attention the beauty of the tree of its ability to satisfy hunger. He didn't he didn't say, look at me. How beautiful that I am. I can come to satisfy your hunger. Instead he accused her that to eat of the tree would result in his receiving a divine quality of wisdom. If you eat of this tree, you're going to receive a divine quality of wisdom. Like God had not given her any wisdom at all. He had charmed her. He got her attention. Thus the fall of the human 
into sin is portrayed. Not simply as a desire for beauty or health, but as a desire for wisdom. And specify for wisdom God reserved unto himself. We want to know the wisdom of God. Man want to be like God. All those scripture has much to say about the value and the desirability of wisdom. For example, the book of Proverbs, the prayer for wisdom in James 1, 5 and 8, and the spiritual gift of the word of wisdom, 1 Corinthians 12 and 8. These ideas are not connected with any notion. The place reserved is only for God. The ironical here is that human beings are already made in God's image and likeness. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, what more could they have wanted. They already were in God's image. It should have been highly sufficient for them either just accept that. But you see, you don't know your enemy. Satan lied to them. Satan promised to extend what was already there only to the degree that they would be as God, knowing good and evil. Now, Satan told them that in Genesis 3 and 5. If you obey me, and can you hear him today telling you and I, if you obey me, I'll open up your eyes. I'll open up your understanding. I'll allow you to make more money. I'll give you a brand new car. I'll give you a home like never before. me. And I'll make you wise like God. He seemed to have some suggestion God had withheld from Adam and Eve. Only one aspect of his divine privilege the right to determine what is good and what is evil. He tried to make Eve think that God had withheld something from her. God didn't want her to know nothing but good. God knew of what was on the other side. This was ironically the temptation Satan discovered and explored her. The idea that if she ate uh, this tree, she could be fully like God. That was a lie that Satan told her. If you eat up this tree, you're going to be fully like God. No human being is like God and never will be like God. That's a lie Satan told her. She could make 
like more important decisions. Determine right and wrong for herself. He was saying you could come self-righteous in your own way. You don't need God no more. And that is what, amen, we're living in right now. Mankind is trying to make his own decision. They don't need God no more. For herself, she would not need to be consulted with God. Men have not changed. Mankind is trying to make their own decision, and they don't need God no more. But that's a big lie. We need God every hour, every minute, every second of the day. We need God. In his cleverness, this is a temptation Satan holds out to all of us. It was his personal temptation, the desire to be independent of God. He wanted to be independent of God. He didn't want to obey God. He didn't want to work for God. He wanted to be independent. And it is the root of temptation for all humankind. You have to know your enemy. Satan was a liar. He's a liar, and he is a deceiver. Satan lied to Eve, and Satan lies to you and I. It will never be a human privilege to usher God's plan, to make God's decision, to determine right and wrong, and to live independently of God. He will deceive. First Timothy 2 and 14. The nature of our transgression was to think God withheld something good from human beings at creation and that it was somehow wrong for God to instruct people concerning or accomplishing and forbidding behavior. To be fully human, according to him, uh, according to Satan's lie, it was to live a full, self-determined life. Do your own thing, what Satan would do. We don't need God to tell us what to do, how to think, and how to act. That's what Satan wanted human being to do. But this motion, it didn't work. God didn't intend, Amen. For humanity is to leave him out of nothing. This was a amen of deception. Instead, amen, to be fully human is to be living within the remedy established by God. Although this includes avoiding all God has prohibited. It also embraces all he has given us riches and joy. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he aborted not in truth. 
because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a lie and the father of lies. John 8, 44. It let, letting us know tonight, amen, that Satan, he's a lie and he is the father of lies. Every time Satan, amen, try to tell you something, Satan is telling a lie. So we we ought to learn, amen, the attacks of the devil. The enemy, although Revelation 12 has been the subject of a variety of independent of in, interpretation, there is sufficient clarity in the chapter to allow some Unquestionable assumption. First, Satan has engaged in the cosmo warfare against those angels who have loyalty to God. Yes, he's up there fighting with them. Satan and his angels lost this war and were cut out of heaven. Revelation 12, 79. Secondly, Satan's chief Weapon is deception. He's going to trick folks now. Revelation 2, 12 and 9. Third, Satan has restless accused people to God. This indication, amen, Satan has delight in reminding God of the sin of humanity. Satan is always trying to remind God of man's sin. He knows he'll never get back into heaven. Now, amen, he want to make sure we don't get there either. My beloved brothers and sisters, I want to say, know your enemy. Know who, amen, is talking to you. Amen. So you won't be caught up in that kind of trap. Amen. The enemy is out to destroy your soul. And this is Dr. Moore saying, God bless you, and thank you for listening. That was beautiful coming from Dr. Moore. Like I told you, the doctor was in tonight, and he broke down the religious barriers, giving the word of God. We will be back next Thursday, so get ready to learn again, because I enjoy learning these lessons, and I hope you do too. So we say God bless. Good night. Be blessed. Bye-bye, everybody.